Welcome back to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each week I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. I hope everybody had a really nice holiday. It was good for me to be back with family. It's been quite some time since I've been able to see some of them, but with the power of vaccines and COVID tests, we were all able to get together, so I guess a PSA for the day, if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, or if you're not boosted, go do it. Um, but now we are officially back from the holiday break with episode 20 to ring in the new year with a super fun episode about the largest living lizards and cannibalism. So let's just jump right on in today. Komodo dragons, also known as the Komodo monitor, since they are monitor lizards, are the largest and heaviest lizards in the world, with the largest recorded Komodo dragon reaching 10.3 feet, or 3.1 meters, and a whopping 366 pounds, or 166 kilograms. And for a fun little comparison, that is fairly similarly sized to a moderately sized bottlenose dolphin. On average, though, the Komodo dragons are smaller than that and typically average around 174 pounds or 70 kilograms. Komodo dragons currently live on five of the seven main Indonesian islands, including Komodo, which is the larger of the islands. They prefer to live in tropical savanna forests, but they do range over the entirety of their island habitat. To go with their lovely island life, they are also capable of swimming and will swim between islands. There are even some records of dragons diving up to 4.5 meters. Historically, they did used to have a much larger range, and it is actually currently thought that they first evolved in Australia about 4 million years ago before they spread to the different Indonesian islands and sea level rose to isolate them on the islands about a million years ago. Populations disappeared in Australia about 50,000 years ago from a combination of factors, but primarily uh, that coincides with the arrival of modern humans as well as rising sea levels. Uh, Komodo dragons are ambush predators. They prefer to stalk their prey and then give it a big, rapid bite to kill their prey as quickly as possible, because the faster you kill their prey, the less danger it is to you. Dragons can run as fast as 20 miles per hour for short distances, and they do have a very powerful bite and some venom in their saliva, so their prey is actually usually dispatched, usually dispatched very quickly. They are carnivores and scavengers, so as adults, they pretty much just eat anything smaller than them that they can fit in their mouth, um, but they can unhinge their jaws some, so that widens the array of things that they can eat, but they will also even attack water buffalo. So things that they eat, if you are looking for a nice list, include invertebrates, birds, bird eggs, small mammals, monkeys, then larger mammals like wild boar, goats, deer, horses, water buffalo, and other reptiles, including Komodo dragons, which is why we are talking about them this week. A fun, slightly gross fact about Komodo dragons is that they are capable of swallowing up to goat-sized prey whole. It just takes them some time to get it down. 
Apparently, it can take them 15 to 20 minutes to swallow a goat, and I'm really not sure what scientist was sitting there with a timer while a Komodo dragon, while they watched a Komodo dragon swallow a goat, but somebody decided to watch that, but teach their own. They are also known to attack humans, and people that live near Komodo dragons actually had to adapt their burial rituals because there were some cases of the dragons digging up shallow graves and eating the people buried there. Uh, younger Komodo dragons have a slightly different diet than the adults, since, you know, they're much smaller. So they tend to eat things like insects, eggs, geckos, and other small mammals. While Komodo dragons are primarily solitary creatures, they do gather and come together to eat food. They have a hierarchy to their eating, with bigger dragons eating before smaller ones. If two dragons of similar size uh, show up to the same meal, they duel that out, and then the loser either retreats or is unlucky and gets eaten. And that would be a pretty bad day right there. You show up to the family water buffalo, water buffalo dinner, only to end up being another course at the meal. So, as I mentioned, and even here, Komodo dragons will eat just about anything smaller than them, which includes smaller Komodo dragons, or even, in the case I just mentioned, Komodo dragons up to the same size as them. Cannibalism as a thing is actually fairly common in the animal world and is not abnormal at all, and is recorded in over 1,500 different species. It was once considered an abnormal response, to something like overpopulation or a lack of food supply, but it is now considered to be a normal response to a very wide variety of environmental factors. And I think most people know what cannibalism is, but in case someone new is hopping in, cannibalism is when you consume another individual of the same species. What may feel a little counterintuitive here is that cannibalism is not restricted to carnivores or omnivores or scavengers. There are also plenty of records of herbivores participating in cannibalism as well. I'm not sure if participating is the right word there, but it's the one I'm going to use. My favorite example of herbivores in cannibalism is in the case of caterpillars. Caterpillars are not super duper bright, and primarily know what they're eating mostly by what the thing tastes like. Since caterpillars are munching on plants, and often the same plant all day, they tend to have um, some of similar chemical makeup as the plants or some of the same chemicals in their own body, which is like how monarch butterfly caterpillars become toxic from eating the milkweed plants. So this also means that caterpillars would taste just like the plant to other caterpillars, so if you have a plant that happens to have a whole bunch of caterpillars on it, and one caterpillar munches another caterpillar, it just thinks it's eating a plant and just keeps on eating it. Again, caterpillars are not known for being smart. Um, anyway, there are quite a few factors that contribute to cannibalism happening, such as overcrowding and a shortage of food supply, as I mentioned real quick before, it can be a combination of these, and the caterpillar example I just talked about would be primarily in the case of overcrowding on a plant. It was once thought that overcrowding and food shortages were the only reasons that cannibalism happened, but there are plenty of other times that cannibalism occurs in nature. As a few examples of 
some of those other situations. Some species of spider are well-known and famous for eating their mates, especially if said mate did not bring another food offering to the female. And in this instance of cannibalism, it's, it increases the chances of the offspring surviving and having healthy eggs and all that good whatnot. In other cases, like in the spadefoot toad, some tadpoles actually develop a little different and become much larger and eat their fellow tadpoles in order to develop faster so they can get out of the rapidly shrinking puddle faster. And when your puddle is small or just rapidly shrinking, even if you're not quite overcrowded yet, it does come down to a tadpole's got to do what a tadpole's got to do. If or one or two tadpoles making it out of the um, puddle is much better for their survival of the species than none of them making out of the puddle. So tadpole got to do what tadpole got to do. There are plenty of other pretty wonky cases of cannibalism out there, especially in other amphibian species that just kind of like the spadefoot toad have a cannibal developmental sort of stage. So there will definitely be more episodes about cannibalism in the future, so keep an eye out. Sharks also have some pretty odd cases of cannibalism, like when things like tiger sharks are pregnant. They often have uh, several fetuses, but only two sharks are born. So in that case, they're kind of eating each other and the biggest shark wins. So little little party there. Um, so there are plenty of bizarre cases like that out there, but for a lot of animals, it ultimately just comes down to food is food, they need food to survive, or there's just too many of the same species around, and food is food. When it's the immature members of a species being cannibalized, either by other juveniles or by adults, it is often due to overcrowding or just the fact that young animals are easy food for larger animals. They don't put up quite the fight as larger animals do. For Komodo dragons, this is pretty much the case. Young, Kom young Komodo dragons aren't going to fight quite like the larger ones do, so it makes them a safer prey. And again, Komodo dragons eat things that are smaller than them, so food is food. Since they live on an island, though, eating smaller dragons, or just even already dead ones, became an important food source for their survival of the species. As a bit of evolutionary history backstory, most large megafauna became extinct after the arrival of modern humans, especially megafauna that did not evolve to live with modern humans. Okay, so considering that, the survival of Komodo dragons became a pretty big question, since they're really the last reptile megafauna remaining. There are, there's actually quite a list of factors that or a list of things that Komodo dragons have going in their favor here. One of them is really just the fact that they are reptiles, so that saves them a lot of energy there, and that makes them, gives them the ability to only need about 12 meals a year, which is great if there's not a lot of food around. But two things that did really help is one, humans bringing livestock with them when they showed up on these islands, and also cannibalism within dragon populations. That's a big enough factor to make the list, and Komodo dragons actually eat other Komodo dragons enough that they are the fifth most common prey type for adult dragons. Mid-sized prey on the island is hard to come by, so there are a lot of big things, a lot of small things, and not much in the middle, so young Komodo dragons fill that nice uh, middle-of-the-line-sized 
prey gap. So young Komodo dragons do make for easy prey for larger dragons, but that doesn't mean that they are completely defenseless. They do have some behavioral adaptations to help protect themselves from predation. Komodo dragons have large claws that the adults often use for digging, but when they are young, their claws come in handy for climbing trees, and they're actually very good at that. Adult dragons are conveniently too big to climb trees. That's a little difficult when you weigh 300 pounds. So for baby Komodo dragons, being up in the trees is a very safe place for them to hang out, and some of their prey can even be up there as well, like geckos. And then once the young Komodo dragons start to be big enough to partake in some of the group carrion meals, or when they venture down to the ground, they will roll around in fecal matter to make themselves undesirable to adults. So it's good to know that even Komodo dragons have standards, and even if something once looked tasty, they won't eat it rolled in poop. Uh, so it does seem that the first five years of life are the most uncertain for Komodo dragons. So if they do manage to survive the other dragons, once they get to five, they have a lovely graduation ceremony from their larger or from their smaller bug prey and gecko prey, and they will move on to bigger and better prey. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and be sure to tune in to next week's episode. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast. And you can also find us on Podbean, and Amazon Music, and Audible. There are now a couple of options to help support this podcast. One is to share us with somebody and everybody you know that could use some more animal facts in their life, which we all know is everybody. And you can also become a patron on Patreon. You can find the link in the, for the Patreon page in the description below. And you can also find the podcast on Instagram now. So if you are also on Instagram, give it a follow at Quirky Creepy Freaky Pod. And if you have a favorite quirky, creepy, or freaky animal fact, send it on in at Quirky Creepy Freaky Pod at gmail.com. Audio editing and recording is done by me, Olivia Strait. The intro music was created by Kaylee Strait. Thank you for listening. <laughs>